What's up, everybody? It's episode 13 of Stick and Rink Podcast. We're on a season two now, so if the, if the number 13 kind of throws you off, just get your hat out of your ass and realize we've put in 100 episodes worth of work before this, too. So give us a little bit of a pat on the back, more than 13. Um, joined always by the buds. My day one, my rider dies. Raffle and Josh, how you boys doing today? Oh, harder, baby. What's up, B? Feeling good, buddy? We are officially into the hockey season, and I cannot be happier. Uh, Ralph, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, this is the second time I think you've screwed up the number of the episode. 13? It's 12. episode 12. Yeah. Fuck. And you also sent Damn. me an email so the, that- the other week. It was episode 11 last week, and you emailed me the episode, and you said, Hey, man, stick and rank episode Episode 10. 102. <laughs> no, <he> said episode <laughs> 10. I was like, 10? Oh, okay, yeah. Shit. Well, all that work I just did to get us pats on the back and get us kudos for what we're doing out here, out the window, because I, mean, I just also, fucked up the number. You also, quote unquote, told everybody to get their head out of their ass when they didn't understand the episode. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a tough look on me, but yeah. I'll, ride, yeah. I'll ride with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the passion is there. I think the listeners will understand. Even if I try and roast them at the spit, they'll they'll ride with me even after that. Yeah. We have a loyal um, fan base. Yeah, we, <laughs> to say the least, people that are willing to stick with us no matter how hairy things get. <laughs> In more um, ways than one, if you know what I mean. 100%. This, uh, so this episode, guys, heavy hockey episode once again. Like Josh said, we're, we're knee-deep into the hockey stuff now. Uh, we've, got our, we've got our fella, our homeboy, our information gatherer, Rick Dollywall, coming on for an interview, part of TSN 1040, one of the funniest guys on radio today. Uh, his interview is coming up later this episode. But before we do that, we are going to send it over to our little bit about our friends from DraftKings. All right, guys. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $250, boys. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. Well, we are all excited for this weekend's premier UFC bout. Let's not forget about football is in the midst of their playoffs. So head to the app to check out the great playoff promotions. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit with and withdraw your money at your convenience. This is all you guys have to do. First, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $250 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bets and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN for new players to get $257. If McGregor wins by first round knockout for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, Josh. So here we are. We're three games into this season. What feels like the season's almost over. It pretty much already is. But we're one and two where we're at right now. And that's got to be bad news for every optimist out there. Because the negative Nancys are coming out. The doubters, the haters, the bandwagoners. Yep. They're big time numbers. Dude, dude I'm scary. telling you, I'm telling you one thing right now. If we're... We, oh man, I'm not hitting the panic button right now. I'm not hitting it. 
Uh, am I correct that we got JT Miller back at practice today? I believe you are correct on okay, that one. Okay, perfect. So that's going to help. I love that. Um, but we've got how many more games with Calgary? One? Yeah, we got another game with Calgary, and then we got three coming up against Montreal in a row, all in Vancouver. Perfect. So for me, it's going to be an interesting one. Like I, I find the first 10 games are very important of a season. Um, but the one thing I will say is a couple players have already gotten the monkeys off their backs. Nate Schmidt has his first goal as a Canuck. Brock Besser's got how many on the season? Does he have two or three? I believe he's got two, unless he got another one. No, we got shut out. Yeah, in we the got shut out. Yeah. Game. What about the second? No, one? I don't think. I wonder about that. Second yeah, game. I don't think he got one. So I think, but it's good though. Besser's got two. That's got one. Who hasn't been on the score sheet is uh, Pedersen. Has he has he gotten a goal? I don't believe so either. So again, I would say one more game against Calgary. That's going to be huge. Um, if Markstrom starts, which he very well could be, I could see him not getting a goal at least until some games against Montreal. Just because Markstrom, oh, so, I think Markstrom has so, the book on him. So here we are. We've got not only do we have predictions on how our season's going to go, but we've got predictions down to the goal of when a player is going to get. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, Mark, we're at, Mark, I love the Mark, that mark my words, dude. That Pedersen will not get a goal until the Montreal games. And if he doesn't get one past so, then, then I'm really hitting the panic button. I do not yeah. like that at all. Oh, well, that, yes, that, that would be code red point, and that's not just you. Now, this is one thing we got to get into, is that we've got to come. It's, it's our duty as a podcast and as fans in this market to provide some sense of fucking logic for people. So <laughs> why don't we do that? And we just say, listen, guys, that this season was always going to be a dogfight. Everyone knew that. That's not a surprise. Every single game is a rivalry for a Canadian division. Every single one. Doesn't like, matter. Doesn't matter which and one. So, and, and the thing about a dogfight is, is on a long-term dogfight, like, like think about World War II. Everyone close your eyes and put yourself in a World War II pilot. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. You are twisting and turning, and it, it's minutes long. Like you're not, You don't just shoot a guy who goes down. Listen, a guy shoots you, you get by, maybe you get behind him next, and you start shooting. So that's what's going to happen here. This season mm-hmm. was always going to be one day at a time. So yep. we got to, We just got to ride the dog. That's all. Yeah. And the one thing I will say, and I'm going to really start liking this kind of baseball schedule for hockey. Here's the reason why. The most non-contact sport is baseball. So what happens when you throw at a guy in game one? Benches, like words are exchanged. You know, bench yeah. is clear a little bit more, but then the next game happens and then the other team throws at the other team and like shit carries over. Whereas like, remember last season when, uh, Kachuk lit up Cassian yeah. and he didn't fight him. And then the, like two, like, I think it was maybe like two weeks later, Every, like that's all anyone could talk about was the next battle of Alberta. None of the games mattered for Calgary or Edmonton. Like if that shit happens this season, like if Roussel takes a cheap shot at someone or someone tries to run Quinn Hughes, it's like, dude, you better watch out. So you better do it in game three when you're about to leave town. Because if you do it in game one, man, like you're going to get smoked no matter what team is provoking the other. And I love that. Yeah, and that's that's got to be the big bonus of this year's Canadian division is that we get that. We get that psychosis that happens when you see the same guy in the same ring four games in a row. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, could, 100%. I, I couldn't imagine that. That reminds me of us when we get together to podcast. It's the same guys every time we say, "Oh fuck, here we go again." Yeah, but exactly. So maybe so. Let, let's get into these games a little bit. I mean, obviously, last episode we talked. We had Tommy on, and we were very high going into the episode. You know, we had good feelings. We we thought Demko was going to start, but not a big deal. Hope he comes up big. We get a W. Yeah. It happens. Now, yep. now I'm 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 thinking good things, having good thoughts. And then all of a sudden, I mean, this is the thing. You wake up the next day, and that high that you feel, it might be gone within within twenty within twenty four hours. Yeah. And I think just as a hockey fan base, we're just not used to that. We're used to kind of riding a two three day high off of one game. Totally. So you know what? Honestly, the panic button isn't even close to being hit, Josh. It's not. No. Um, and here's my rationalization for the losses that we a first game. Uh, or the second game in Edmonton, it's you're a dumb hockey fan if you think that McDavid and Dreisaitl are not going to get on the score sheet, at least in one of those games. You're stupid, and you don't know hockey. So get real. Uh, too bad they combined for eight points that game. That was a tough look. Um, then the game against Calgary, well, you're kind of facing your old goaltender, pretty much new to or same team as the Canucks. Markstrom know like he knows the book on these guys. Like he just knows. He knows their plays. He knows the players. Like he just knows. Like he stops probably a hundred shots from each player last season in practice. So I'm not worried at all. If Markstrom starts the next game, I think the Canucks are I think the Canucks are gonna get to Markstrom. Um Markstrom looked really nice though. Like really nice in Calgary. He looked so calm, cool, and collect. Like if he keeps that up, like I'm I'm liking where Calgary's headed, but yeah, and, and <laughs> good for Josh, bad for Vancouver. Often funny how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that funny how it always works out in Josh's favor? I, I know. Dude, I, I didn't know who I was rooting for because like there were so many Canuck players on the Flames. I'm like, oh, I'm still kind of a Canucks fan. And then like Calgary won. I'm like, oh, that's even better. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> that's all right. So I mean, looking at that game, we, what we should remember too is that Markstrom last season really didn't get even the finish that he wanted because he goes out with an injury, and so yeah. his playoffs is kind of done even before he wants it to be. Yeah, so, the swan song didn't uh, didn't come for him for sure. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't exactly ride into the sunset in that sense. So I bet you he's hella motivated just to get back to any kind of hockey whatsoever. So yep, that's that that's something else there. But I would say the the tough game, and I said this, I was when when we were this game was happening, I was doing the the hockey podcast network. And right. I'm saying this as well, that the fucking worst feeling as a hockey fan is when your team gets shut out. Like, I'd rather lose 8-2 to two than get shut out 1-0. to nothing. Like, it fucking yeah. sucks. So at least you have something to cheer about. Exactly. Like, at least at one point, I'm hoping during that 8-2, you had a chance to say, oh, we got one. We're yeah, back so, in it. So of the 10 goals, you're cheering for 20%, which is still kind of shitty, but at least you're cheering and smiling. Yeah, 100%. So... <laughs> But here we are. I mean, you get shut out three nothing, and literally uh, being in the in a chat with other Calgary fans, it sucks. It sucks not having a chance to be obnoxious, to be stupid, to say all the things you want to say. Yeah, but, to be to be that rowdy Canucks fan that we all know and love. Exactly. So we're looking at these next three games, or I guess let's sweep the one against Calgary out of the way. Let's call it a win. It's two two now. Okay. Now we got three games against Montreal. This must win games, right? They got to be. Let's throw a must-win title on that. I don't want to say a must-win. Um, you, you should say I think you should say must-win. 
this is like it, you specifically, Josh. You should say it because I think I think it's a very Josh thing to do. Well, well, it's interesting you say that though. I think it, I I'd be very happy if we're stealing two or three here. But that's it's interesting though when you say a must win because when you play a team three times in a row, you're like it's just like in baseball. It's like you don't want to get swept. Like you at least want to beat the team once. Yeah, um, I would agree. So. If in price, price is looking nice, dude. The price is right, I think. Um, so if we're getting two two out of three, I'm down with that. But we could very well be one and two. Yeah, this this has to be at a point. <laughs> you, I can't imagine the kind of thoughts that goal that uh, coaches and GMs are having in their head. They're just, they're just thinking, okay, find a way to split this. Find a way to just get one out of this, you know? Because when yeah. you really break it down, every division winner, I'm willing to say this, every division winner will. Lost three this season. That might be a bold take. You don't. You you don't think a team will win? All right. Sorry. I'll change that. Every division winner will have not had a point where they lost four games in a row. Division winner, not just division winner. Division winner. Any division winner will have not had a point where they lose four games in a row. That's a man. I want to say that's a bad take, but that's a pretty good one. I think it's up there because it's just such a short amount of time in the season that yes, winning like. Going on a big win streak would help just as much, but in reality, it's how often can you just be? How often can you win two out of three? How often can you win three out of four, or even just yeah. split two out of two? That's going to be what this story is all about. And I think the other thing is, as well, is it's an interesting phenomenon of how we're going to see teams beat each other because the other night, uh, I think it was Toronto beat Montreal. But then Ottawa beat Toronto. And then you kind of look around back out west, and it's like, okay, well, uh, who was it? Calgary lost to Winnipeg. Winnipeg beat Edmonton, but Edmonton beat Vancouver. So, yeah, like, it just. Vancouver like, beat Edmonton, Edmonton beat yeah, Vancouver, and then yeah, Montreal exactly, beat Exactly. Like, and that's what we're going to see. It's like there's just some teams are just matched up better against certain teams, right? So. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting, jo- Josh. I ha- we have to get to this. I have to ask you this one question before we throw it over to the interview. I had this thought yeah. the other day. Could you imagine how fucking wild this season would be, especially in the North Division, if the playoffs were chosen in a college football format, oh where like God. there was a fucking committee that had to decide, like, okay, <laughs> this this win against this team was worth more than this win against this team because this team was better. Like, it would actually be fucking bananas. Because like, I would college- lose my mind. Could you imagine if if they're saying, "Hey, Calgary is fifth because you know what? We just didn't like how much they beat Vancouver by. It just wasn't it wasn't enough. Like that would yeah. just that would drive me insane. Like it was all based off of like goal differential. Yeah, we should and totally we should have that episode at the end of the year when we'll we'll do what's called the the NHL College Football Playoff Selection. Yeah, we'll call it Selection <laughs> Day. It'll be sick. <laughs> oh my god okay All anyways right. why don't like we throw that. it over to our boy rick dollywall uh for those who are hockey fans you're gonna love it for those who know the area know the radio networks and stuff you're gonna love it this guy's personality you already know what it's like but he's just hilarious for a good 40 minutes um for those of you who give two shits about hockey well crack some eggs because we'll see you in spoiled all right, everyone. We're pleased to be joined now by one of the most credible sources probably ever to walk the earth. Vancouver's lucky enough to have him. He's pretty much known as the take quake around here. But uh, we're going to bring on Rick Dollywald now, and he's going to give you guys some information you've probably never heard in your life. So, Rick, how you doing today, buddy? 
Very happy to uh, join you guys, uh, Elijah and Josh. Uh, happy to be here and uh, super pumped. Let's go. There we go. The I energy, love the enthusiasm. Man. I love it. If there was ever such thing as a podcast coach or any kind of media coach to get you pumped up for an episode, you're you're front runner for that kind of stuff, man. This guy. I, but I'm going to tell you guys, like people say to me, like you know, what is it to to be in your industry and everything? And I I always tell kids that you you gotta love what you do and you gotta have uh, enthusiasm and passion. Nothing uh, in this world was ever built without those two things. And I just, I'm one of the lucky guys that has got a job who he loves. I, uh, you know, I, I used to do morning radio and the, and the alarm clock would go off at 3.30, guys. Oh. And I always had to deal with myself. <laughs> if the alarm clock goes off at 3.30 and you don't want to get out of bed, it's time to quit. But every time that alarm went off at 3.30 uh, to go to work in morning radio, I would jump out of bed. I couldn't get to work. I just think that, you know, enthusiasm, passion are, uh, are two of the biggest keys and traits uh, of people that uh, just love their job and uh, just absolutely uh, can't wait to get to work. And, and, you know, and that's why I think a lot of times I come bursting through the window is because I have that passion and I still have it. And I and you just love the job that you do. Right. Heck yeah, man. So so you've been covering Vancouver sports since when? 1996. Yeah, that's right. You are bang on 96. I got into Vancouver. So I was just a twinkle in my dad's eye at the time. Um, So I wasn't, yeah, so I was born in September of 96. That's crazy. So um, what's it been like, the transition um, in sports from when you first joined Vancouver to where they're at now? Like, what's your opinion on, do you think like Vancouver sports wasn't really existent back then or uh, has it gotten smaller, bigger? Like, where have you seen it grow? Yeah, or that's Frank. a great question. And I was just telling you guys off the air, I, I grew up in, in Flintstones radio, guys. I had carts, reel-to-reels. I had a $25 Canadian tire typewriter back in 1990 when I started. And I, 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 I got to be honest with you, now uh, we got cell phones and texting and we got email and we got uh, all these all these outlets to... But when I started in Vancouver, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have. Now I could text Oli Ulevi's agent in Finland right now and get a response from him. I can I can call somebody uh, from uh, Vasily Podkolzin's Russian team, like I did. Mm. I got the the GM last week. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I texted him. He called me right back. It's just the cell phone and texting have really changed. it just absolutely changed the way we do our business. And yeah. before when I, when I had to hunt down an agent, I had to call a hundred times. Uh, I had to call the hotel rooms. Uh, these guys were on the road. It, it was just so hard to get a hold of people. And now, you know, you don't necessarily have to call to get information. You just got to text and you just got to say, Hey, Hey, what's happening? I'm hearing this. Uh, what are you hearing? And you can you don't have to bother the guy with the phone call. You could text, and if it's a real hot story, obviously you call the guy. But I just think that it, uh, the dynamics of our industry have changed so much. You look at the Vancouver Province uh, Sun and Vancouver uh, Province Sports guys. They had up to twenty five writers about three or four years yeah. ago. You know, yeah, now they're stuff. down to a skeleton crew. Uh, radio uh, is down. Uh, you know, television. 
this cell phone and, and the internet, it really hurt mainstream media in a lot of ways. But, but I, and because I'm obviously, I love radio. I've been in it 30 years. The one outlet that continues to do well is radio. Because guess what? Mm-hmm. We're live. We're immediate. If a story breaks at 12 o'clock, we got it. We're announcing it right away. And there's other outlets like Twitter now. Twitter, I find, is an amazing, amazing, amazing tool. Now a radio station, if you break something at 10 o'clock, you could tweet it out. They might not be live. We are now live with Rob Faye, who does a great job in the evenings. But there's so many tools to get information out 24-7, guys. It's just Mm -hmm. when I started, it was so hard to get an agent so hard to get a player. It was just the old, you know, dial a phone and, and, and stuff like that. But now everybody's tweeting, they're texting, and they're emailing. It, it's just a different world we live in. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and the funny thing is, I, I imagine back in those days too, you, you didn't really, you, you kind of thought that that was the best that it was. Like it, it, you didn't have any, any inkling to think that you were missing like there was something missing in your job or there was something no some sort of technology yeah. out there that you didn't have access to like there was just this thing hadn't been there yet and so oh. it's, and it's crazy i i tend to think about it kind of looking at where we are now and, and i even i get amazed sometimes about how the technology is that we use but then i try and think holy shit like what's it going to be like in 10 20 years what am i going to be looking at and saying i could have never saw this oh. And, and, and you nailed it. Every 20, 30 years, there's something news coming along. Like, I really thought, like, Twitter was an amazing uh, invention. And I, I, I thought the texting was an amazing, cell phones amazing. All these things have made it easier for the flow of information. I think 20, 30 years ago, uh, getting information, it took a while to get it. And then it took a while to disperse it. And then everybody was kind of like, okay, now we used to get up in the morning. I remember Neil McRae telling me, Neil McRae was one of the great uh, Vancouver uh, guys reading sports. Uh, Neil and I had the privilege of working with Neil. Neil and I would get to work at 4.30 in the morning. And the first thing we do is read the Vancouver province because that's the first thing we always did. The paper (laughs) was so important. And we'd get the paper, read it, both of us, and then we'd call Toronto. And, And we'd say, hey, what's happening back east? You know? But we didn't have all these tools we have today. Now I can I I, I get all my all my uh, uh, the prep work done at nighttime on my couch on my cell, and yeah. it's, it's really and you nailed it. What's coming up in 20, 30 years? Every twenty yeah. thirty years, it, it's going to be crazy. I I can't even imagine what is next in terms of making our, our job easier. Yeah. I, oh, I can tell you one thing, Rick. I think they're going to force us to put our faces out there. Like that's gonna be, <laughs> that might be yeah. where you and I get priced out of this conversation a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That is true. Point, and and I told you guys I got a face for radio, so that's why uh, I like doing that. Uh, this the way we are right now because uh, I I didn't get into TV for a reason, boys. Yeah, no, <laughs> no kidding. Oh man. my god, a face that only I think. It, what's the famous Elaine Vigneault quote about talking about? Uh, oh, I forget who it was. I think Bird it was Andrew Fiddler. Shaw. Yeah, Vern oh, Fiddler, right. and he's yeah. like a face only a mother could look at. Uh, <laughs> and Don Tater, uh, who did sports page for years and is a legend in this market. Donnie is so good uh, at what he does. He's so creative. He's such a he's such a wonderful he's a personality too. Oh, he's uh, and 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 believe me, he's, you know he's a good friend. Uh, and Moj, on the other hand, is like me. You know, Moj looks like uh, King Kong Bundy and uh, what's the other guy? <laughs> uh, uh, 
uh, uh, oh the Animal Steel. We might uh, George the Animal Steel. But some guys got a face for radio, and some guys, well, yeah, they do well on TV. So, yeah. oh, um, so I guess obviously you haven't always been covering Vancouver sports. So, what was the your first job in broadcasting and radio? Um, where, where, where did you start? Fort St. John, uh, okay. BC, and, and I'm going to tell you guys something right now. This is going back to 1990. I had to look on a freaking map to Rick, see where that Rick, where, is this where our, the hell am I going? Is, is this yeah. our first, I'm telling you the episode? I'm telling you, I had to look. <laughs> you know what? Like, I don't say I'm telling you on like purpose. It just comes out. Uh, just no, like, we all have those quirks. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had to look on a map to see where the hell uh, Fort St. John was. But you know what? <laughs> I went up there and I got to do uh, junior A play-by-play hockey. I got to do senior hockey uh, play-by-play. I can't tell you how, how good those four years were up there in learning. And, and, and I'm a big believer. And it's, it's the old Utica Comets thing. You know that 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 guy that comes in goes to you you know draft pick goes to Utica learns develops and grows makes his mistakes in in the lower league. That's what mm-hmm. I was doing up there. I I really believe kids that come out of broadcasting school should go to a a, a small station, learn their trade, uh, make their mistakes in a, in a small community. I got to do that for four four and a half years. I got to do play by play hockey. It is funny. Some of my best friends are still up north and we were all i'm telling you right now uh going to those small towns and learning and developing and, and making your mistakes was the best thing that ever happened to me and junior a uh play by play traveling with the boys on the bus um it was such a great time and that's where i i, I and then i went over to alberta and edmonton one year uh, in 94, when the Canucks were in the in the cup final, I was in uh, Wetaskiwin, a small, it's basically what Abbotsford is to Vancouver, is what Wetaskiwin is to Edmonton, it's 40, 40 minutes out. Um, so I spent a year there. And then, like you said, in 96, I got back, uh, well, I got uh, back to Vancouver. I'm a New West guy, Queensboro. Uh, I grew up in Queensboro, New West. Uh, so you know what? I got back in 96, but I uh, th- spending that time in those small towns, learning your trade, making those mistakes was a very important time for me. Yeah, I can imagine, especially in today's world where everything's just go, 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 and people want to figure out a result as soon as possible. I can imagine that helped out quite a bit. Oh, big time. And and, and that's where you learn about yourself and, and not just in radio, but as a, as a human being. And you got to, you're on your own and you, and you got you got a bunch of ups and downs. And I, I, it's a life experience when you go out and, and, and you got to go into that small town. And you, and, and you know what, for me, and, and the people of Fort St. John were so nice to me. You, 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 uh, like, I can't even say enough. Some of my, my best friends in the world are up there. Uh, it's a good community, good people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm curious. Cause so where you're at now, Rick, you're kind of, you're kind of known as the guy around here, you're known as a scoop guy. Like you, you absolutely have the title as a scoop guy. I, I honestly would say you probably get more scoops than the gelato place with the freaking Instagram wall around here. But well, yeah, I'm gonna stop you right there. I don't, I don't, I don't look at it. I, one word I hate. I'm gonna tell you both. Oh, don't it's, tell me it's scoop. It's, no, it's well, I hate that one too. But I hate breaking news. I hate, it, I hate it, and I'll tell you guys why. I, I, it's not about getting it first. It's about getting it right, and it's about uh, developing a story from the beginning to the end. And and you're not always gonna get it first, okay? And and I understand that. But what you gotta do is you gotta try. I get up in the morning and I try and get something new every day. And when I don't get something new every day, I get mad at myself. So I, but the key word is try. 
I've made a ton of mistakes, but the only people in life who make mistakes are the people who try. And, and, and you know what? I try. But I don't like the word insider. I don't like the word scoop. I just, I, what I do like, and Matt Sakaris is, is one of the, a great guy, just a really good uh, buddy of mine. Matt, Matt calls it information, um, gathering information and moving information, moving a story, gathering info to get a story. That's the term I like because guys, mm-hmm. there's too much guys out there. You got in this country, you got Bob McKenzie. He was a God. You got Darren Drager. Uh, you got uh, Elliot Friedman. You, these guys are big guys. These guys are, you know what? These guys are the best of the best. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, uh, all these guys. And, 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 and you know what? They're all the best. And, but I just try to every day get something, information, gather it. That's all I, that's all I try to do. Some days are good and some days you get shut out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the world of it. That's all right, though. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to find out a title. I need to leave this interview with like knowing what badass title to give you, whichever one now, it's going to be. We'll information gatherer. Information <laughs> gatherer. We'll, call you, we'll call you like the 2020 CPU in person for him. Just gathering information and storing it where it needs to be stored. That's it. It, you know, Matt Sakaris uh, and I used to work on stories in the Canadian Football League 25 years ago. He used to, This is before I told you guys, uh, before the internet and before cell phones. Matt and I would call each other. He was in Ottawa. I was in Vancouver. And we would call each other. Hey, what do you got? Hey, what do you got? What are you hearing? Uh, what, what do you got after reading the newspaper? The newspapers were big back then. Without a newspaper, I was, we, were, we, were, we were done without newspapers. They were so important back in the day. But Matt and I are both what you would call old-time guys. We believe in the old system of just working hard, gathering information, and that's what we used to do. He'd be in Ottawa, and I'd be in Vancouver, and we share information on the phone, and that's that's how it was back then. But uh, thankfully, I'm reunited with Matt, and we get to work on stories at uh, TSN 1040, and he he really is uh, he's he's a great information gatherer as well. That sounds like perfect dynamic duo. So my one question, kind of relating it to the Canucks, because you're all hockey here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so in terms of uh, all the information that you've gathered, what is the biggest story or the biggest thing that you have found out and you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I'm going to be the one releasing this information. Is there one yeah. story or like one piece of like a trade or a contract signing, anything like that where you're like, oh my God, like I'm going to be the guy that's going to have to release this. Yeah, are you talking about uh, getting a big story or a con- or yeah. a controversial information? Um, I don't know. I mean, it it could be either. Yeah, uh, it could be I, either. I'm gonna tell you guys something. When I get information and I gotta tweet it, and if I think it's a big story, I get nervous. I don't think there's one story that has stood out, uh, right or wrong for me, because I get plenty of stuff wrong too. Because it, that's just part of the human. No one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. It's just human nature. But I, I do. I will tell you when when you when, when you get a story and it's a big one, and you got to tweet it or you got to go on the air. Boy, oh boy. It's there's an adrenaline rush that guys uh, I, I I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, you got you got a ton of Canuck specific information, and you you get exposed to this, and it's your your job. You love it. You get so much so much chance, so many chances to just dive into certain ideas and certain parts of this team. Um, having covered the team for so long, do you think that this is the best Canucks team that you've ever seen? No, because uh, you got to go back. Uh, to, to 211 in the Sedin Stanley Cup Finals. I, I think that team right there, that's uh, that's that's going to be... Hey, you know what? And I don't want to outdate myself, and I know you guys are young bucks. 
but the, <laughs> uh, the uh, 82 team for me was my favorite Canuck team of all time. Holy because, yeah, because the, just the way it happened and Harry Neal got kicked out in Quebec City, Roger Nielsen took over, the white flag thing, Schmiel, Gurdine, Fraser, uh, Richard Berner was great in that. They had so much toughness, Ronnie DeLorme, Grant Mulvey fight in Chicago at Chicago Stadium. That team had Jim Neal. That team had a ton of, uh, just a ton of character. 94 was fun because of Pavel Burry and then 211 because of the Sedin twins and obviously losing in game seven was uh, brutal to watch. But you know what? My 82 run uh, was my favorite Canuck team uh, of all time. Not the most talented. They just, they just got together. They started gelling late in the season. Neil got kicked out after the, after the brawl in Quebec and then Roger Nielsen took over. That was my favorite team, but I think the best Canuck team was 211, no question. And it, it's funny because, like, I think this is probably the second core team that I've been exposed to in my life, still being a young guy. I mean, I, I was there for the West Coast, West Coast Express, but I wasn't, I wasn't a competent hockey fan knowing how to analyze things. But where we're at now in the sport, it's crazy because even comparing it to the 2011 team, okay, so maybe each team has two superstars, sometimes three, probably not. Nowadays on each team, it seems like you got three to four bona fide, maybe not superstars, but guys that are elite level talent. And that's just that's just the league that we're in now. So it's it's so hard to look back at a team like this and say and and compare them back to even even like a 94 team or a, even a 2011 team, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And don't forget, though, guys, there's 31 teams and there's going to be 32 soon. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and and you go back, remember in the, in the heydays when there were a lot of goals and the Canucks had six, seven, eight guys averaging a point a game? Well, how many are averaging a point a game now? Not many. Yeah. And not many. Yeah. You know, because, listen, when you have 31, 32 teams, the talent gets weeded out and it, it, it dilutes the product. Uh, right now for hockey – uh, there's three. I hope they stop at 32 teams, guys. I don't want to see 34 or 36. I just look, stop it. Stop. Yeah, it's it. too much. It's too much. Is there enough talent to stock 32 teams? Is there enough talent? Because, and you're going to see the Canucks are going to lose uh, uh, some guys to Seattle in the expansion draft too, as, as you guys want, but probably I, I'm not so, you know, maybe hope he's the guy who knows um, he is going to be eligible for uh, the Seattle draft, but guys look, the goal scoring's down uh, because there's so many teams. I just think I, I loved it back in the day. You know, Cliff Ronning used to get 180, 190 points <laughs> in the Western Hockey League with the West Bruins. Ray Ferraro <laughs> had over 200, I think. So these guys, I miss those days. I really, yeah. I miss the Pavel Burry days. Uh, I just, I, I love goals and assists. I can't stand two one game. You, you love and, the video game hockey, Rick. That's what you love. <laughs> <laughs> You, lo- you love a guy like me back on defense, the number six defense, can't skate backwards, gets buckled when there's a third liner coming at me. Hey, Nintendo, <laughs> you guys remember Nintendo came out? Uh, well, you wouldn't remember. Young Bucks again. Listen, Nintendo. <laughs> I, hey, we uh, can lie to you and say yes. Like, me and my roommates played Nintendo from nine in the morning to like midnight on a <laughs> And the next morning, we all got booted out of our apartment. But you know what? Uh, Nintendo was the big thing back then in the 90s. And, and we played. We Our thumbs would hurt. We played so much. And now I see the games, and they're so – like my kids were playing NFL uh, the other day on TV. I thought it was a real game, like the graphics. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, guys, if you, want, if you see these kids playing video games – the graphics are so believable now. It almost looks like a real game. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, just wait till your son comes and tells you that he won a hundred grand on a Fortnite tournament. That'll blow your mind too. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I put, I, I'll put an end to that. 
Listen, the other one for you is uh, what, what's what's the video games going to look like in twenty years? Oh, like, yeah, there's the other one. Yeah, it'll well, be virtual it, reality. We'll we'll be able to skate with the pros. <laughs> I gotta give uh, I, I gotta give uh, those companies credit. They are just making these video games so believable, so believable. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next question is: I kind of want to dive into this year's Canucks, and I know we're only three games in, um, but uh, so I I'm from Calgary, so I grew up a Flames fan. So I, ever since I started wow. this podcast, I know, I know. It's a it's a tough it's break. A tough, tough look, man. Sometimes in these episodes, it's a tough <laughs> look. Um, but I mean, looking. So I've recently, I wouldn't say converted my entire self into a Canucks fan, but I definitely cheer for them a lot harder than I would in in recent years. But this Nils right. Hoglander guy, like he's so nasty. So if what is one thing about this guy that Canuck fans have have to look forward to? Like, yeah. what's one thing that this guy brings to the table that we should be excited about? I'll tell you what he brings to the table that Travis Green absolutely loves is compete level. His, look at his play on the boards. He's a small guy. He never gets knocked down. And when he does get knocked down, he gets right back up. He goes mm-hmm. to the dirty area. He goes to the dirty areas of the ice. He's got skill. You can see it. He Look, this is game three, and he hasn't been pushed to line three or four yet. So, guys, yeah. this guy's going to be good. And, and he went in the second round. His agent told me there were a lot of teams that were telling him, oh, we'll take him in the first round. We'll take him in the first round. But you know what? He's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, max. And a lot of guys drop. They drop mm-hmm. in the NFL draft because of size. And, and so I'll tell you the other thing. When he loses the puck, watch him try to get it back. If you want to know why uh, Nikolai Goldobin isn't here anymore, uh, it's because when he lost the puck, he refused to try and get it back. Travis right. wants... Travis wants the skill level and the compete level in his top nine through the roof, through the mm. roof. And this guy fits the bill. He works his ass off. And you, you see the offense, but you also see him care about the other aspects of the, of the game. That's why Travis likes this guy so much. Yeah. Heck yeah. So, um, I, so I'm looking at, at this Canucks roster. And one thing that it doesn't, I, I enjoy listening to it, but tons of podcasts and tons of radio stations are very good at dissecting the stats and the X's and O's and, and everything tangible about a lineup. But what I want to know from a guy like you is, is what do you think is not missing, but what do you think this team could still use when it comes to intangibles? Cause you got young guys all over and, and I don't want to say leadership is the intangible they're missing because everyone's so young, but there's gotta be something out there, some sort of intangible that you're thinking we still need. Well, but they got the, but that's why they got Beagle and Sutter and Mott and all the, and Roussel. Remember yes. all those long term deals and everyone was getting upset with? Oh, well, and still gets why, upset with day to day. Yeah. And, but they, they were supposed to bring the intangibles of veterans, guys who won in other dressing rooms. Uh, don't forget Beagle won a Stanley Cup. He's won a Calder Cup. He's won an East Coast Hockey League uh, title. Uh, you know, Roussel was brought in for veteran leadership. Sutter was not brought in to be in the bottom six. He was brought in in the top six and he was brought in and the the GM said he was a foundational player, but it hasn't worked out that way. But those are the guys in the bottom six that bring those intangibles. And, and you know what? At the time, the Canucks were very young and they, and they justified Beagle, Roussel, all these guys by saying, we got a young team and we want to, we want the veterans around them. And you know what? I don't disagree with that thinking, but the problem is four years. Why did you have to give four years to these yeah. guys? Well, I'll, right. tell you, I'll tell you why they gave four years. Because 
and they were 29th in the NHL standings. And on July 1st, when you're 29th in the standings and you're competing with 10 other teams for a UFA on July 1st, you have to overpay on term and money because you're the 29th place team. Yeah, you got to make a move. And that's and that's the thing too is uh, this this could be a conversation for another time because I could go on for 30 minutes about this, but contracts in the NHL, NHL have changed so much over the past five years. Uh, like we got guys yeah. like Mike Offman who scored 30 goals who has to go to a PTO. Like that's yeah. just that's it's changed so much in that time. But Josh, it, you, you it, had a question. Well, there? I'll say this about Hoffman. Um, we're in a COVID economic world, so you have yeah. to you have to be careful with Hoffman. Hoffman was. Uh, we're in a COVID world. Um, the only reason they did the PTO was because they had to move money LTIR. Same thing yeah. as Travis Dominic. Yeah. So I wouldn't classify. I would say to you this. Owners, there are some owners struggling right now because of the COVID world. Yeah. Um, and no fans at games. It, 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 there's some owners out there hurting. I mean, let's be honest. Um, there's a reason why uh, junior hockey leagues in this country have asked government for uh, help. Um, hockey's a very expensive sport. Budgets are sky mm -hmm. high. Go ask the Vancouver Giants what their budget is. Go ask the Surrey Eagles. Uh, uh, go ask the Coquitlam uh, team and go ask the Chilliwack Chiefs. These these guys, it, it's not cheap anymore. It, it Junior yeah. hockey, and, and, and it's a very expensive, expensive format, believe me. And so uh, once they get out of this COVID, hopefully we do, and, and the fans can get back. I think it's going to be better. And, I, and you make a good comment about the contracts, but I will say to you, uh, be careful because this is a lot of contracts in the last few weeks have been COVID related. Travis, yeah, yeah. Travis Hamannick is worth way more than 1.2 million. The Canucks got 100 percent, right? But yeah. we're in a COVID world. Mm -hmm. Josh, you um, yeah. So, okay. I feel like again, from the outside looking in, even when I was diehard flames fan, I always felt like Vancouver could never have like a solid goaltender like a true number one you know you had a long go for a couple of years but then hold on a sec Corey schneider kind of came in now it's kind of going back to uh last year was kind of markstrom and demko in the playoffs now it's uh demko and holtby so in your opinion do you think that these guys are going to get 28 games each do you think one's going to be starting than the other if so who would that starter be like who would you give the crease to right now and why yeah, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, first of all, let's go back to, uh, let's go back uh, to Markstrom, a two-time MVP, uh, you know, signing Calgary. I think in a perfect world, the Canucks could have got him back on a three- or four-year deal. It just wasn't meant to be. Um, mm -hmm. He took till the age of 28. He was on waivers four years ago, Markstrom, five yeah. years ago. He took till the age of 28 to become a starter in the National Hockey League. I think people need patience uh, with uh, Thatcher Demko. It was a mm -hmm. great move by the Canucks uh, to get Braden Holpe as a stop gap as they let uh, Demko get more ice time, let him develop more. He's, there's no need uh, to push Demko to be a starter. Let it happen naturally and organically, uh, just, mm -hmm. like, uh, just like Markstrom did. I see Travis Green saying, uh, Holpe's my number one. He'll get the majority of the games, but I also see because of the condensed schedule and playing three. Okay, so they got three games and three nights coming up. Okay, we know you can't play one goalie three times. So because of the because of the schedule, I think uh, you're going to see a pretty good split between the two sides. But I mm -hmm. really I really like the fact 
the Canucks got a veteran winner in Brayden Holpe until the day comes when Demko can be in true number one. And you can say to yourself, holy smokes, now he's arrived. I don't think right. we're there, but I think getting Holpe that it kind of helped until he does. I think it was a great move. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And I, I think just kind of building off that question too, I almost wonder in today's NHL where if you look at past Stanley Cup champions, like definitely teams have, have ridden the hot hand once they get there. But when it comes to teams going through the regular season, there is very rarely a team with an, a true bona fide number one goalie that makes it all the way to the cup final with that number yeah. one goalie. Well, you yeah. look at B and uh, he got hot, did he not? Yeah, exactly. And, and we're here really? now. He's not, he's not the yeah. most surefire thing ever. Well, and he just got, he just had one hell of a campaign and he just got hot. And, and the Blues, the year they won the cup, remember the Canucks went in there and won 5 nothing, And the Blues, uh, they, they had a fight the next day of practice. Uh, they had uh, lost, I think, five in a row. I think they were dead last in the NHL. I yep. think it was. Yep. Fifth. And how do you go from dead last to winning the Stanley Cup? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> Bennington got red hot. And, and you know what? You can ride a goaltender now. And even look at the Canucks in the bubble. Marksman was doing fine until he got hurt. And then Demko comes in. He, the, the other guy gets hurt. And Demko plays three world-class games against Vegas. Looks unbelievable in those yeah. three. You know, it would have been 10-1. Each yeah. one of those without uh, Thatcher's play. But mm-hmm. you know what? You guys got to be patient. You got to be patient with Demko. Uh, don't, uh, he's going to have to earn it. Uh, you, you want to see him sh- gradually 30 games, 40 games, 50 games. And I think uh, you want to happen. Uh, you want that to happen naturally. Definitely. Um, so looking at a record, obviously we're three games in no yep. reason to hit the panic button, but obviously Canuck fans are, might be ready to burn the city down. <laughs> um, because of the condensed schedule at what point, like if you were to give me a number of games that were into the season, if we're not where we're at, what game number would you kind of say that, okay, we need to make an adjustment here? It's time to hit the button. Yeah, yeah. That's, a great, uh, that's a great question. My first thing is always 10 games. I, I think GMs yeah. always hit the 10-game mark and say, okay, who's played well, who hasn't, what's our record? If the Canucks are 4-5-1 and one after 10, or say they're 6-4, uh, you, know, you know, around that, uh, you know, I really want to see how they do against Montreal when the Canadians come to town. But let's just say they're under 500 after 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you can see Travis and Jim uh, sitting down and say, okay, uh, you know, who's playing well, who doesn't. And then the 20-game mark is going to be important to me because the yeah. 20, don't forget, we're in a short schedule. The 20-game mark, it, you don't want to fall behind, it, it, too far behind. Because the way I'm, I'm seeing Toronto's obviously got a good team. Montreal looks like a whole lot better. Yep. Uh, Calgary showed us last night that, you know what, when they play their game, they're fine. So, it, and Ottawa's a good young team. They work hard. They've already beaten the Leafs. This division is tough. Hey, Winnipeg, it, and no team has been decimated on their blue line like the Winnipeg Jets in the last two years. You remember the offseason? They lost Truba, Myers. Oh, my yep. God. Buffalo. I mean, Bufflin. they lost. Yeah, this Canadian division, I, I love the concept. I absolutely love the fact that every game has so much importance in this country. And I love the fact uh, that every single game in the Canadian division, uh, it, this, this isn't Carolina or, or Columbus or uh, or Florida, you know, where the Canucks are playing in Columbus and you're kind of like, oh, well, okay. Hey, every time the Canucks play in this Canadian division, you get jacked up. You, you, mm-hmm. you feel 
you feel it, man. It, it's like every game is almost like a playoff game. Yeah. You know, I was, I was telling Elijah and, and I, I hope you would agree with this statement, but because it's such a unique season and I don't think we'll, at least for a while, we'll have a season like this ever again. But how yeah. cool would that be if the Canucks win this division and we get this, the North division banner in our rafters <laughs> that like that. That's something. kind of a, it's, it's kind of a cool thought, but I, anyway, <laughs> a lot of people back East will like that. I'll tell you. <laughs> I know. I know. Cause everyone thinks the Leafs are going to take it, but I'm not fully sold. And but. Ironically, that would, that would turn into a big, uh, big point in arguments. Whenever people start bringing up cup winners, pass cup, pass, oh. to say to any Leafs fan, Hey man, who got the North banner? Who's big yeah. Big but like, but that's the thing though. Like it's, you know, it's one thing to, you know, win the Stanley cup and everything. But now, now my mind's just racing about bragging rights, but also whoever wins this division, it's like, Hey, we're beating, we beat all the Canadian markets. Like, yeah. that's it. It would be you know, where hockey's the biggest. So anyway, yeah. Hey Rick, I got um, a question for you here. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask, uh, this kind of tails back, I guess, into your, into your information gathering role. Um, yeah. There's a lot of buzz around this season. Just I, I don't know if it's because of the shortened season and people know that there's contracts that are up and stuff like that, but there's got to be some moves out there that are going to happen. Is there a big move, whether it be in the, in the Canucks market or just in the overall NHL that you see likely to happen this year? Yeah, I, I think right here in this market, you have to look at uh, uh, Patterson and, and Hughes and their contracts are up after this season. And yeah. and. So you go back to Matthew Barzell, the kid from Coquitlam, who just got uh, three years and $21 million out of the Islanders on a short-term deal. Um, but you have to look at Pedersen, and you have to look at Hughes. These are two outstanding uh, young players who, who have such a bright, uh, bright, bright future. Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman the city's ever seen, and he's been here one year. Um, mm -hmm. The things he does on the ice – He's got no fear. He's got ice in his veins. He tries everything. He's behind the other team's net. You're going like, uh, hello. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? And what are you doing? <laughs> and he just, he has no fear. And, 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 and it was nice him and Chris Tanev last year. And, and I can tell you right now that when Chris Tanev went to Calgary, Quinn Hughes was probably going, oh, no. Because one thing Chris Tanev allowed Quinn to do was to be creative and to be all over right. the ice. Because guess what? I'm the defensive defenseman. I'll stay back here. You go do what you got to do, Quinn. But these two guys' contracts, to me, are going to be massive stories. So Pedersen, mm -hmm. what did he get? They're obviously not going to do long-term deals because of the caps, uh, Canucks cap situation. So they're looking at three-year deals, sort of similar uh, to what Barzell did, three years. But I got a feeling Pedersen can get more than Barzell on a three-year. And I'm going to tell you about Quinn Hughes' contract. Whatever Kale McCarr gets, Nero Heiskanen gets, um, any one of those guys, they're all going to get the same money. They're yeah. just mm -hmm. blended young defensemen. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. the that's the big story for me is is those two guys' contracts. So my next question, um, just in terms of obviously, like every single player can't carry on the success that they've had um, last year. So. I'll ask kind of, it's a two-part question. Which player on the Canucks do you think actually takes a step forward this year? So obviously improves from last year. And which player do you think actually maybe loses a step and takes a step back? Oh, that's a good question. Um, just be aware, dude. We're going to sound clip you here. We're going to paint you as a negative guy. 
No, no. Breaking news. Rip Dolly Wall. I'm not going to answer the second question. Uh, We're just kidding. Don't worry. (laughs) Speak your mind. I think uh, I was hoping that uh, the answer to your first part was going to be Jake Furtanen. I was Mm -hmm. hoping that he would come in and and slide into the Toffoli spot, and this would be the year that he would uh, he would be that guy that grabbed the top six role and never left and just grabbed it and, and just went. The answer to your first question for me is going to be Brock Besser. I think he's come back leaner. Yes. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. He's quicker. I think, I think to me, Brock Besser is going to be the guy that he's finally healthy. No more risk. And you remember when uh, Clutter that. hit him from behind on the that bench? That back injury, dude. I was at yeah. that game, and that, that my heart dropped. That that's, it. that's it. And, and to me, the guy is healthy. He's quicker. Uh, Travis Green pointed him out in the training camp. He said, no one's talking about Brock. He's doing really well. I think Brock's going to be that guy. Um, in terms of uh, going backwards, I'm a little concerned with uh, Antoine Roussel right now. Uh, he didn't mm. get a ice time last night. This is a guy that when the Canucks got him, there were 12 other teams in on him. Okay. And his agent said there was a ton of teams in on him. They all love the sandpaper, the grit, the speed, the four check. He's in on the uh, defenseman right on top of him. I was looking for a little bit more offense from him. I was looking for a little bit more a bleep disturber out of him. I, uh, his minutes in the bubble were down. Last night, his minutes were down. I'm wondering uh, what uh, his relationship with Travis Green, what's going on there. But I expect uh, uh, Roussel to be a whole lot better than he has been in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah and, he, and he's got a contract he's got to kind of live up to as well. So, I mean, well, that's it. Yeah, and that's, that's what it, as a fan, I mean, welcome to welcome to Vancouver, Antoine. If you, if you get a contract that maybe you just you got a little more money than you you should have, apparently that makes you public enemy number one. So you, you gotta watch <laughs> out. For that. Hey, and you make you make a great point. Brian Burke brings this up all the time. It, 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 Canada is not a good not a good place for a player with a big contract to underachieve. No. It, so I Louis agree. Erickson. Let's get to Louis Erickson. A poor guy's had a tough time. Let's be honest. He got yeah. the money times six. If Louis Erickson was in Carolina or Columbus, do you think he'd have the heat on him that he's got in Vancouver? No, no chance. Not a chance. No. It's, first yeah. of all, first of all, the media in Carolina at Columbus is nowhere near the media in Vancouver, and you know, and the passion in the city and the Canucks. Uh, uh, it, Vancouver's got one of the most passionate. Uh, fan bases in the entire National Hockey League. They hold you accountable. Um, mm-hmm. And when you lose, you hear about it. When you But here's the flip side of Canucks Twitter. When they're doing well, you, you they will applaud. I You know, people say to me all the time, why are Canucks uh, 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 so negative, the media and yeah. Canucks? First of all, we're coming off of five years with no playoffs. Okay? So there hasn't been a time to cheer about. Let's be honest. This yeah. playoff... The bubble was the first time in five years the Canucks actually made the playoffs. So you got a lot of pent-up anger, five years. You got a lot of negativity from that. But when this franchise turns it around and this team turns around, the positivity will come and there will be better times and it won't be as negative. I guarantee it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I was supposed to, I'm supposed to let Josh jump in here and we're going to, we were going to wrap it up, but I have to ask this question because I want, I pretty much want to ask a question where you tell me I'm out to lunch. So I'll, and it's actually more of a statement and you just tell me I'm out to lunch, if not. <laughs> you um, got it. Okay, so here's my thought is, I've been a lifelong Canucks fan. I'm pretty sure you have as well. We've gone through years and years of not winning and we're kind of like this, this creature of fan base that we are going to have no clue what to do when we finally win. So I actually think 
it might be better not for us to lose, but for us to prolong this as long because I don't know what's at the end of the tunnel after we win a Stanley Cup. After that's over, like I don't know what to do as a fan. I don't know if you're in the same boat. I kind of think you are. So is it maybe a better option for us, you and I, to maybe have the Cubs fan approach or maybe we make it to you know, 70, 80 before we win that cup? <laughs> you're out to lunch. You know, what we, <laughs> hey, hey, what we need to do is we need to go to the city of Boston where they, no, they have a, God. A, a parade every year. Although I see the Patriots are obviously going to be in a long, lot of trouble here, I think, for a few years. Yeah. Uh, but can you imagine being, uh, if you flip Boston and Vancouver and, and that you had that many championships in a 10-year run? Yeah. Like, that is they, the flip side. It was the Bruins. It was the Celtics, the Red Sox, and and, and the Patriots. They were winning uh, the championships almost every second year. I think they're the winningest city in all four four major sports. I think they've won the most There's championships. No yeah. But I don't think we're at where you, you mentioned the Cubs. I don't think we're at that. Because, look, here's the thing about Vancouver. It, it goes in cycles. We did have 82, 94, 211. We got, came pretty darn close uh, in, in 94 and 211, let's be honest, uh, yeah. game seven, in, in 82, you were never going to beat the dynasty, the Islanders. They were just no. too good. Um, it, but let, let, look, it goes in cycles. I think in the next 10 years, you have two of the most wonderful, uh, young talents in the history of this franchise in Patterson and Hughes, as long as those two are there and competing at a high level and producing at a high level, the Canucks will get back there. It, it's just going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Agree All right. Last question, and then we're going to let you go, Rick. Um, cup winner. Give us a cup winner. No bias. God. It, it, oh, how do you do it? Uh, I, I'm going to tell you if Tampa Bay's healthy, uh, I'm sorry. If Tampa Bay's healthy again, did they a repeat? They, yeah. And the other team that it, I, I'm just a little bit worried uh, about uh, uh, getting that uh, championship goaltending right, but the Philly Flyers look damn yes, good. Sir. Uh, yeah, yeah, they look so, you know, Except Sean Couturier is out, is he not? Yeah, a couple, a couple of weeks. weeks. Don't worry about that. It yeah. doesn't Vigneault, doesn't Alain Vigneault go to every city he goes to? And just wins and like well, is at least productive? But then they say... It, but then they say he wears out his welcome and you, you know, the old term you lose, he's lost the dressing room, but er, everywhere he goes, they asked him when he went to Philadelphia, they said, do two things, improve the culture and get the goals against out. He did both things. He did both mm -hmm. things. He holds players accountable. Is he a perfect coach? No, but it, look what he's done in Philadelphia. Look at their point improvement. And then look more importantly, their goals against went way down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I just think that uh, Philadelphia in the next the window is there for them in the next two three years to really do something special. Is yeah. there anyone from the West that challenges Philly or Tampa? Like, is Colorado kind of the next oh the there's, next team up uh, here? Oh my goodness! Uh, thank God you mentioned them. And, and look at their defense. <laughs> and what are they? What are they going to do with Bull and Byron, the Vancouver Giants? Defense? I think they're going to have to trade uh, the Canucks. I think it's the only option. Well, yeah, uh, they might know, get a third round out of us. I don't know. He did lose the gold medal game, Rick. That's a tough look. <laughs> yeah. But you look at Kale McCarr, you look at Kale McCarr, who's a wonderful defenseman. Uh, they got Gerard there. They got uh, Bowen Byram. Uh, they got the kid from Abbotsford, Abbotsford Devin Taves. And, and I'm telling you that they are. Isn't that the best young blue line in the National Hockey League? Yeah, it's going to be nasty. How, how good are there. they going to be? How it good are they going to be? Yeah, yeah. not looking and forward Devin to it. Taves, 
uh, from Abbotsford, guys, and he was born in 94, so you two, uh, shock you don't know him. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not like we were playing against him or anything, right? We were, yeah. <laughs> didn't exactly share the I, I used to go to a lot of Surrey Eagles games, and I, because my buddy's kid played on it. I remember watching Devin Taves play for the Surrey Eagles. And then he went uh, to the American League four years. No, sorry, Quinnipiac. He went to uh, NCAA American League. Boy, that guy. Uh, he is such uh, a good yeah, – but you know what? He took his time, developed problems. Mm. You know, NCAA and then four years in the American League, never complained, bitched one. To play for Barry Trotz at a young age on the blue line to get that ice time, my God. You yeah. know, he's a really, really good young defenseman. Love that. Anyways, we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time, Rick. Uh, we yeah, really thanks, appreciate it, especially the last part there. We're going to have to clip this and just point out that Rick did not take the Canucks to win the Cup. That would be going viral tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> if I take them, if I take them, then you guys are going to rip me for taking them if you don't win. It's a, oh, it's yeah. a lose, all, lose situation. All of Canucks Twitter are going to be at your front house like, you jinxed uh, us. Hey, <laughs> you, hey I'm going to tell you something quickly about the media. We all have our haters. Uh, believe me, we all have our haters. And you are <laughs> yeah. never, ever, ever, ever in your life are you going to ever please 100% of the people. It's not humanly possible. Heck no, that's why we that. speak your mind on this podcast, Rick. I'm glad I'm I, I got glad I came on anytime for you guys. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Man. I appreciate Thanks, it. Rick. All right. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Rick. Uh, safe to say that that was, you know what? We were just as much on our toes as, as you guys were listening to that stuff. Like we had no idea what was coming from him and we loved every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was, he was phenomenal. I really liked him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will admit too, because I'm not a huge I I don't spend a ton of time listening to AM radio. Like I'm just not in my car that often. And, and so I, I knew who he was and I've heard little segments of him here and there and the funny stuff, but I'd never really got a good 20 minutes of what his personality was like. So I, I will admit I was not prepared for what his personality is. And it's awesome. Like it was, he was hilarious. Yeah. He was hilarious. Very humble guy. Like just, and very like inspirational, I would say as well. Like yeah. very, like very passionate about his job. I think that's, uh, stuff you could like always when that like is in this field of work, but you have to be passionate. Like, you have to really like what you do, and he definitely does. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's refreshing to have that kind of outlook. Uh, Love boys, it. before we jump to spoiled, I got I got to ask you guys something. So today, have you guys are you guys a fan of saunas or steam rooms? No, I hate both. Uh, you like, hate both of them. I like yeah, I'm not a fan. They're weird. Are you, are you a fan of the Banya raffle? The what? You, do you like a good banya? I don't know what that is. It's like a like a it's like a Russian sauna. That's what they call it. I think they call it the banya. I've never done that, but okay. It's like a million fucking degrees in there. Either way, so <laughs> Meg, Megan and I today we uh, in the in the afternoon we went to a place in New West called the Art of Sauna. Shout out the Art of Sauna. I guess that's a free ad. Don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> this place is pretty dope, honestly. Like it's a. It's actually crazy looking at the building. You would have never expected it to be there. But inside, I think they have about, uh, I think, eight or nine different saunas and steam rooms, all Holy with varying shit. like temperatures. And some of them have like heavy heavy doses of eucalyptus in there. Some of them are like, uh, obviously, dry saunas are a big thing there. Um, yeah. There's even like a Himalayan salt room, too. So it reminds me a lot. It's not the same template as Scandinavia Spa, but it's a lot like it. Okay. And the fucking feelings, like sh- raffle. Do you do you not dig steam rooms? I like them. 
So okay, you, you like both. That's that's yeah. one thing. Today I went in there, and I'm sure you can you can attest this, and maybe Josh too, because you don't even like them. But it's actually like a fucking mental warfare when you're in there with yourself of telling yourself like, yeah, I can do this. I just need to breathe. But it's weird because breathing's the hard thing to do in there. <laughs> it's yeah, actually fucked. It's like enjoyable and relaxing though when you're doing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. At no, at no point do I do point. it, and I'm just like, oh, this fucking absolutely sucks. Like, I'm not going to obviously stay in there for too long to the point where. Be, it becomes a bad thing, but it's not like I don't know. I don't find it mentally no, challenging. Yeah. One, well, yes. So go ahead, Josh. Like my my thing is, is if I were to actually like scale like the steam room above the sauna, that's probably what I would do. Because like I've been in like a dry sauna. Like my mom actually has one in her house, but we use it for storage. Oh, damn! Um, but, but I think she actually cleaned it out, so I think she actually uses it now. But it's like a it's a wooden like it's a dry wooden sauna and i remember just like sitting in there sometimes as a kid and i like i just i i couldn't handle it dude i couldn't handle it It actually stressed me out like i did not like it it was really weird i felt almost like claustrophobic in saunas and steam rooms yeah it's that's what i mean it it can be tough depending on your mental your mental state like i was i remember i was laying down in there today and i it wasn't super it wasn't super um like exasperating like it wasn't draining me it wasn't taking me a lot of energy to stay but at one point i was saying like okay kind of getting like a little bit not uncomfortable i was yeah i was getting a little uncomfortable so I, but just push through it and then i told myself just breathe and then when i started breathing i was like oh fuck like i'm about to pass out yeah and the funniest <laughs> part about it is in those steam rooms when you want to get up and you want to get out that's the hardest part that's when it hits you like a rock yeah so terrible yeah it terrible, sounds like a head rush time. Hated it. Didn't want to. Didn't love it at all. Didn't stay for two hours and actually melt my butt, my, my fucking body into butter. <laughs> but isn't it really good that. for like losing weight though? Uh, I hope so. I'll be going back if that's true. But then again, I think it works in like a dehydration kind of aspect. You know what I mean? Where it's like you basically steam out all your water weight. Right? Yeah, it I could be. be. I don't know. Again, I was but... sweat. I was sweating like a fat pig in there today. So I don't know. Could be a thing. And then you got those cold buckets that you're dropping yourself to. I don't know if you guys are into that, but that's that's money as well. The cold buckets? Um, don't you put them on the coal so it steams more? Uh, no, like when you're in between rooms, like when you like when you take like a normal shower or something, they also have like finished cold buckets where it fills up like freezing cold water, and oh, you dump okay, that on your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it, gotcha. that shit's money. Uh, they would do, do help you burn extra calories, but they don't. They aren't an effective tool for losing weight. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Tough look. We'll have to revisit. I'll have to bring some dumbbells with me. Yeah. That might fix it. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, If you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, 
all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. Anyways, why don't we move into our edition of Spoiled this week? Josh, you can take the reins here. You can intro well, us. Okay. Um, so went back-to-back weeks here with the World War II movie, boys. Uh, yes, Valkyrie, starring Tom Cruise. And I don't really know who else was in it. Uh, I think there were a couple... There were a couple actors like I recognize that have always been in like random like supportive roles. Um, lots of British people um, <laughs> because the yeah. British people always play the Germans, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is. Boys, honestly, I I really like this movie. I think it's obviously I googled it afterwards. Um, it was the most successful failure to try and kill Hitler in World War II, and they almost had him. They almost had the little guy. Yeah, but, they almost uh, got. <laughs> but you know, just when you go into the conference hut and there's windows and shit, you know, the explosion. It's like throwing a grenade in like a cement building, opposed to like a little like straw house. You know, it's it's a tough look. It's a tough look for Germany, but it is what it is. What'd you guys think of it? Uh, I really uh, liked it. Yeah, I thought I thought ahead, the, the, the one thing Josh you brought up immediately was the accents. Uh, the accents were one thing yeah. that bugged me about it. Because, because they were British. <laughs> well, no, because like you, like the way the movie starts off is that there's obviously a message or something, or it's like Tom Cruise's character speaking, and they're speaking in fluent German, which is fucking sick. Yeah, and like then, he's yeah he's writing in his journal. Yeah, in German, yeah. and then it cuts yeah. to him talking to- with an American accent, and then everybody else there just has their own accents, I guess, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, I wish there was kind of like that uniform uniform accent across with uh with everybody who was playing the role but I, I totally understand how difficult that is especially with the actors that they had um yeah one thing that i thought was that i really liked about the movie that i thought was dope was that it 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 gave you like a lot of feelings of uncertainty when because like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like in a lot of the plans that they had or a lot of the negoti- negotiations that they made there'd be instances where it cut from one person looking at another person mm-hmm. and them just making eye contact, no nods, no nothing, just like cold dead stares at each other. And then each person would walk away. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, what's it called? And I just thought it was really cool because what would happen is that like you, you, you would then not know what was about to happen. Like in the instance where they tried blowing yeah. up the room where Hitler was, they like uh, Tom Cruise's character looked at the guy who's in charge of like the radio communications and everything like that. And they just stared at each other. And it's like, you didn't know what was going to happen because mm-hmm. this guy was obviously in on the plan or the other guy was in on the plan. Tom Cruise knew what he wanted to do, but he's like, can I trust the other guy to do this? Despite him yeah. saying that he's also trying to kill Hitler. Like, is he going to try and go with his own yeah, agenda like, or is he going to kind of link up with what Tom Cruise is trying to do? Yeah. Like, I think the biggest thing was, was like, everyone knew like the, I think the anticipation about it was, and I think why a lot of people like were didn't always like follow through on their job because I feel like sometimes it did kind of happen that way. Yeah. Um, was because like they're putting their lives at risk, right? Like they know that like, if they get caught, like they're going to die, like they're going to get executed, which obviously did end up happening. Like the plan was foiled. Everyone was caught. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go out in their way. So, you know, I think the hesitation is more so like, I think the, 
the vision of seeing Hitler as an evil person was clear. I think everyone 100% hated this guy, yeah. or at least within within the movie. But were they did they hate him enough to put their own lives at risk and actually try and kill him, even though that if they were caught, they they were going to die? Yeah. No, so totally. I I mean I think the other thing is is this movie happened uh, or like the movie took place or the assassination took place in forty four which is like it was they mentioned Normandy so like yeah. it was after D Day the war ended like a year later um, yeah I I'm pretty sure like it sure. ended in like forty five or something like that real real quick a super quick summary for anybody who hasn't seen the movie and is just hanging out listening along. Mm. Uh, the movie basically follows, uh, what is it? Colonel Stauffenberg? Von Stauffenberg. Yeah. Yes. And he's yeah. basically the leader of like a, what's it called? A group of Nazis. German within, resistance. Yeah. Within Africa. Yeah. And then basically yes. he undergoes an injury, loses one hand and then two fingers on his other hand, loses vision in one of his eyes, loses his eye basically. And then he kind of has like a personal vendetta or just suddenly doesn't like the person that he's following anymore being Hitler. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he tries to basically kind of overthrow Hitler through a plan known as Operation Valkyrie, which Josh, do you want yeah. to kind of explain it quickly? Because I feel like you have a better understanding of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So Operation Valkyrie was essentially like it was rewritten that um, if if like a certain power tries to overthrow the government, you can initiate Operation Valkyrie, which basically puts the reserve army in pretty much full control over no matter who's in power because like you had like the SS, which would essentially be said power trying to overthrow. Uh, but they would only do that if Hitler was obviously dead. Hence they, uh, hence why they tried to kill him. So basically what was going to happen is they were going to initiate reserve army. They would lead the reserve army, disband the SS and then essentially disband the Nazis because Hitler was dead. So it was an interesting one, but um, Elijah, where are you at with this one? Yeah, I mean, everything you guys said, I completely agree with. I, I think that Tom Cruise's character, obviously, now, I, I don't know what word to use to describe him. Now, he's smart isn't really describing it. It, it definitely isn't, because, like, there's, he doesn't really see the different sides of it when he says, well, like, when they when they explain why both those guys need to be in the room for it to go ahead. And he understands mm-hmm. it, yes, but he, he definitely justifies just doing it. And and just other when the plan's going awry and everything's kind of falling apart, like kudos to him for sticking to the plan. But also, like you can tell, he's just emotionally invested in the plan as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's that's totally okay because it was it was quite an event. It was it was quite yeah. the person they were trying to take out, and I could see how anyone would get emotionally invested. However, I mean, I think there comes a time where you need to kind of make the smart decisions as things don't go your way. Yeah, like it, it seemed like there were obviously a couple like a couple hiccups obviously within the plan. Like I think um, the, uh, who was it? Oh, um, when they found out that like the meeting was being moved to the conference hut or, yeah. I, or I guess the plan had already been initiated. Um, but even like when it was the first time when I forget how, cause they went to the wolf's lair twice, right? They went to the wolf's lair once and then he called and he's like, if you can't get Hitler and Himmler, which I think Himmler was actually the lead of like the Holocaust. Like he was basically just as fucking bad as, as Hitler was. And like, yeah. don't proceed without him. But then like that random guy on the phone who's talking to Tom Cruise, he's like, what do you say? He's like, do it, man. Like kill the fucking guy. Yeah. Um, 
And then I don't know how it happens. So, yeah, the, I mean, he was definitely emotionally attached for sure. Yeah, and the issue with that whole regime that they had trying that was trying to basically kill Hitler was that all of them were like they talk about it in the movie too. Is that a lot of them, if not all of them, were all politicians, right? So they were trying to kind of mm-hmm. approach it from a point of view where everything that political was done. Political standpoint. Yeah, for, from a political standpoint. That's why Tom Cruise brought in another another gentleman who is part of the army as well, who would kind of give a different perspective on everything that they were about to do and kind of make calls. And he was one of the people who actually, at that time, in the Wolf Slayer bunker, told Tom Cruise to blow the explosive then. Mm-hmm. But by the time yeah. Tom Cruise gets back to where he had his explosive, like the entire room is cleared out and everybody's already gone. And he almost gets outed because somebody else picks up his briefcase with the explosive in it. Yeah. I think the other thing that I, um, you know, that is really impactful on the movie was you guys remember when the scene, um, when Tom Cruise puts his eye in like the, in the glass of like whiskey or whatever. And then the guy comes into the bathroom and they're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy that almost drank Tom Cruise's eye literally said, he's like, you guys are just rats jumping off a sinking ship. Like, it's crazy to think that like that guy knew that the war was going to be over. It's like this. This is going to happen regardless. Like I think that's what I kind of got from that, from that quote. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why are you like, why are you trying to do this? Like, it makes no difference. Like, we're going to lose. Like, but that, I feel like his mindset was already made up. That guy also in that same conversation said that he was the if like anybody's going to assassinate Hitler, it was going to be him because he's also the closest, uh, closest. I think one of the closest people to Hitler at the moment, didn't he? Because he was working the phone yeah, lines at the Wolf Slayer. So it's almost like he was kind of yeah true yeah there there was also my irrational thought and this is just kind of like a funny side but i'm like dude i'm like why wouldn't you just stay after the blast you obviously have a gun go look for a survivor be like, oh my god is everything is fucking shoot the guy like i don't know like that's just kind of like yeah you're yeah. taking one for the team but like also at the same time it's like hey guys like this is a suicide mission i'm gonna take one for the boys and I'm going to kill the guy. I'm going to blow up the building. If that doesn't come, I'll just pull up my Luger and blow his head off. And then, boom, Hitler's dead. So, like, there's also yeah, that side of it. <laughs> like, the amount of, like, that's definitely the 2020 viewpoint of this movie is that every time that they're in the fucking, the, what is it called? The wolf, the wolf, the wolf, cave? the wolf slayer, the wolf slayer. We'll call it the wolf Which is actually a legit place. Yeah, actually. it's in Poland. So, yeah, it's wild. Oh, and that's like the meeting place that they always had? Dude, it it's, was probably Hitler's... one of like the, most top secret places in the Nazi regime. It was Hitler's secret bunker, essentially. Is yeah, that Hitler's where he eventually committed hideout. suicide? Uh, no, no, I, don't I so. think I he did. He in his house, I think. Yeah, in his house. Oh, and, it de- and it, so is that is that Wolf Slayer still a building? Like they didn't yep. demolish it? Oh, crazy! Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can go see it. That's wild. That's crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, what I was saying is that like the amount of times that they were in there, and there was at least one or two people, sometimes even three, who were in on it. Like, yeah, come on. Like, let's let's sneak in a gun. Why don't we sneak in three? Let's go all in glorious bastards on this bitch and start blowing people away. Yeah, seriously. Like, why not take the fucking Quentin Tarantino approach and just get him into a theater and just blow everyone's head off? <laughs> yeah, but they're also trying to do it from a perspective where it's like they suffer the least amount of casualties from their end, right? Yeah, totally. Like, they wanted they were, to do it. Yeah, because they were obviously trying to overthrow Hitler and then replace their or replace his government with their government. So if you start having yeah, casualties sure. at that point, it's like, who are you going to employ to lead it? Are you going to just employ somebody who you can't necessarily trust or somebody totally. who's not necessarily familiar yeah. with the whole situation? You know, like it's tough. I think the, I think the final thing is, unless you guys have any other thoughts on it is it's crazy to think that obviously this is a true story, 
but I am amazed at how many generals and how many like colonels and so many high up people like truly did not agree with this guy. Like everyone yeah. pegs like it's like you have a leader. Oh, well, you know, you can't appeal to the mind of like the most senior person because like, you know, like he's he's his right hand man. Like he he's probably his most trusted associate. And yet there were people that were like worked with him that knew him that fucking hated him. Like, it's crazy to think about that, that it doesn't matter what position you're at. If you have a shitty boss, it doesn't matter what position you're at. Your boss is a dick. And sometimes you want to kill him. This is like the World War II version of horrible bosses. Just in (laughs) (laughs) joke. Except in horrible bosses, dude, it's literally just three disgruntled employees all at different jobs. This is like a room full of 20 to 30 high generals in a corrupt fucking army. Like, Yeah. Like that, that that does go to show, though. I mean, people have constantly said this about about the like World War II in Germany and all the all the fucking crazy things that happened in there. Is that the amount of people that were just complicit by by doing nothing, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. crazy to think if you actually counted, if everyone put their hand up and said how many there were, there was hundreds of thousands of people like that. Yeah. So, you know, I've always wondered, and like in in this modern day society, like when you watch this movie, like if you were to think that if a presidential candidate or a president was able to stay in power longer than eight years, and let's just say Trump won, he's in there for another four. Like, could you guys see something like this potentially happening with a guy like that? uh, There's obviously people within the party that would fucking hate him. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Are you talking about like Trump getting to Hitler level? Well, not like to the point of like an actual dictatorship, but like, to the point where someone like within his own house or like his own like party of people, it's like, dude, like fuck this oh, guy. Like yeah. this guy is actually like awful. Yeah. It, I mean, I guess it's kind of good. I wouldn't put him at Hitler level. I wouldn't put him no, at Hitler level. Let's definitely just make, not. Let's just make sure. We'll make that clear now. But I mean, I, he's I, a, he's a dick, but he's not like, he's not evil. Yeah. And I yeah. think <laughs> <laughs> like you are right. And maybe this is a good thing about where we are in history now is that, Trump really didn't like you can't even compare the two people really. Yeah, true. And and even still though, like some of his party are speaking out. So, I mean, I guess in that sense, we've come, we've come a decent amount of way. Right. Yeah. True. That could be said. Maybe. Very true. Uh, Anyway, that was, that was a good movie to watch. I enjoyed it. Love that. Uh, Who's up next with this one? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I always forget that. You always, you're too eager, man. Yeah. Okay, uh, ratings. Raph, let's start with you. 7.4. Okay. E? I'm going to go ahead and give it the old 6.9. I think the accents were actually like, they weren't, I, I'm not mad at them or anything, but like, I don't know, I would have enjoyed some German. Um, I'm going to say, I was going to say like, Raph, what did you say? 7.4? Seven, 7.4. Four? Seven, four. Yeah, I was going to go with 7.3, but because uh, I picked it, I should probably like it a little bit more than you. Hey, man, honestly, so, <laughs> honestly, I thought about picking a really shitty movie for this week, just to just oh, to like great. fuck with the scales a little bit. So Love that. Be a, that would be a fucking move. <laughs> give it, give it whatever you want, Josh. I'm gonna say a seven two. All right, seven two. A seven two from the man himself. 
it just kind of pissed me off because uh, like I felt I felt like there were some holes within this whole plot. And like I know that Raph is like they're thinking about from a political standpoint, but also at the same time, like, come on, man. Just wait for the explosion, kill him, you're gonna die, but hey, you know what's yeah. for the greater good, you're gonna save the world. Like Luger to the dome, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, that's all you have to do. That's all you need anyway, 100%. Raph, what movie you got for it? Uh, I have a movie that I'm I'm technically not choosing. I was suggested to watch. And suggested oh to include in this, so that's what I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna okay. go with Molly's Game because I've never seen it. All Molly's right. Game, yeah, I've never heard. One. Yeah, I've I, never I seen. I believe it, so it's about gambling or something like that. Like some sort of like underground yeah. gambling ring or something. Of course, Elijah's seen it. Then that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you degenerate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, is that it, boys? That's it for this episode, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, always remember to go to DraftKings presented by DraftKings use the promo code THPN like before um, and just help us out like subscribe if you're already a subscriber to the show it does help to unsubscribe and then resubscribe really manipulate the system with us that would be awesome <laughs> and that's go. about it and hopefully well, but- one fucking day we'll be back together in person who knows yeah here's hoping fingers crossed <laughs> yeah alright adios muchachos oh harder baby